0: Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Natalie, and you are listening to the Clean Your Plate Podcast, Episode 6, where we get real about the good, the bad, and the ugly in our kitchens, gyms, and minds.
1: Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about the philosophy of intuitive eating as well as the myths surrounding it um, and uh, a little just dive a little bit more into how intuitive eating works, what your focus should be on while you're starting intuitive eating and kind of going from there. So I think we should start off with the myths around intuitive eating. What do you think some of the bigger myths are?
0: I think the number one that I hear and that I had for myself was that intuitive eating is all about eating unlimited quantities of junk food. Yeah. Like no rules, just a complete
1: free for all. Yeah. I think that my, um, my ideas around intuitive eating was also that it was like always going to be this super long process of, I think it gets mixed up a little bit with other diets that have kind of taken intuitive eating and then used it to focus on other things like that. I'm going to have to like chew my food for 15 minutes and (laughs) that, and that kind of, kind of things. Yeah.
0: That, and I think I also believed that Okay. So I had the fear that it was all about eating junk food. So then I thought that it meant that, um, all the like quote unquote healthy foods were then demonized. Like if you still loved exercising, that was demonized. Or like, if you did want a salad, you know, I don't know. I just like, maybe, maybe if I did like, a um, maybe like a, a diety spin-off of maybe like a, a, like, you know, like the sandwich bread thins or like bagel thins or like something like that. That's kind of like diet E that
1: all of a sudden those were the forbidden things. Right. I think my biggest misconception overall was when I, when, even when I like read the uh, cover of the book, it says an anti-diet approach. And I thought that my mind of anti-diet was like, you have a diet that's super restrictive and I'm going to do everything and you kind of are doing everything opposite of it. But in my mind, what it was saying was, well, that means I'm going to eat chips for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I don't Mm -hmm. need to work out and I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. Like I just thought that it was, I thought anti-diet meant opposite of a diet, like opposite of what you would eat on a diet. And it's not, it's, it's just anti-diet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah
0: anti pursuit of shaping your body strategically and manipulating your food
1: right in a way right and like I thought that. that that meant that um that i actually i I kind of thought, well, I need to like force myself into unhealthy behaviors to be anti diet mm-hmm. and that's not at all what it is, yeah, so I think those are some of the biggest myths um the the next thing too that we wanted to talk about was the philosophy of intuitive eating, um, how uh, to touch just a a little bit on why you can't focus on weight loss while you're intuitive eating, because there is a reason for why you shouldn't have that as your main focus. But I think we should back up a little bit and just kind of go into what intuitive eating is. Um, to, to then introduce why you can't have weight loss as your main focus of mm-hmm. intuitive eating. Yeah. So intuitive eating um, is really taking internal cues from your body on what it needs. So it's an all an inner work um, behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's about getting rid of all the external forces that have been put on you through diet culture um, and learning how to just listen to what your body needs and forget everything that you've learned, so basically unlearning all of the food rules that have been put on you from infancy until where you're at now, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and um, so it's yeah, what Katie said, and then it's its main purpose is cultivating a healthy relationship with your food, your mind, and your body and it's actually a weight neutral model back to kind of the myths where oh this means that if you're in a smaller body that's demonized it's weight neutral and then um so what that means is meaning that the focus is not on body size what it it's intuitive eating's focus is on is about healing your relationship with food and Um, I think, uh, it it really is just wanting you to focus on, I like the way that it described it as we're reading, I'm reading through the, the new edition of the book. And it was just talking about the three, um, parts of your brain. So it's really just like checking in with maybe like your, um, the rational side of your brain checking with the emotional side of your brain checking with like the instinctual primal side of your brain and just um, making sure you're honoring all facets of yourself with food
1: yeah and um yeah i think it even extends beyond food too Mm -hmm. and one thing that that i thought was a good way to explain it was when they were talking about interceptive sensitivity so um they were. They did a study to try to figure out if people could learn how to intuitive, intuitively eat, um, even if they had participated in. It's it basically how do you how do you know if someone is capable of intuitive eating? Um, and so they talk about interceptive awareness and how they started measuring it was having people count, try to count their own heart rate, and that is what intuitive eating is, I I felt that like that was a good study for them to put into the fourth edition, because it really is kind of like being able to tell when your own heart is beating is very similar to being able to tell what your body needs when Mm -hmm. it needs it. And so it really comes from Mm -hmm. deep inside. And then the other thing that they talked, talked about in this book that I liked was the interceptive responsiveness. Mm -hmm. And that that's the it's, um, when you can feel the sensations and the signals that your body's giving you and you can interpret what they mean and then execute,
0: like Mm -hmm. execute
1: that, execute it through like food. Mm -hmm. So, and it's just appreciating. And that's how, where it comes like in the appreciating and the honoring your body and that kind of stuff. And, um, so I think that that, that really sums up what intuitive eating is and why they call it intuitive because it really is just listening to what's inside. Um, And to kind of explain diet culture, so diet culture Mm -hmm. is an external force. And when you're focusing on the things that diet culture has taught you over the years, you start muting all of the signals that your body's trying to send you And intuitive eating is switching it back Mm -hmm. to where you're listening to what your body's telling you and you're not listening to what other people are telling you that your body needs. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they say um, you go back to eating like a child. It's not that you go back to eating like a child, like you're eating junk food. You're going back to eating like a child who knows when they're hungry and they're full and what Mm -hmm. they need. And so that's where the myths come from when they say it's like eating like a child. Well, but it has two different meanings, you Mm -hmm. know, and most children actually probably don't, you know, eat that bad (laughs) if you think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So a lot of little um, misconceptions about it. And I think what would be helpful too is we've, um, I think just defining more what diet culture is. I know we've mentioned it before, but we haven't really dived into the, The sneakier aspects of it, I think, especially because it has kind of a new guise, especially within the past, I don't know, since the early 2000s of like, oh, this is just all about being healthy. And um, in the early 2000s, that's when there was like the medicalization of
1: weight. How do you how to describe they, that? They um, put obesity as a disease. Yeah. And yeah. that really sprung um, even people that are in a larger body that are very, very healthy mm-hmm. now have this disease. And it it becomes like a moral thing. Like you're yeah. bad, you know, now because you have it, – it just switched. It really switched from um, – knowing that you can be in a larger body and be very healthy to anybody who's in a larger body is has a disease yeah right and so that really like drove diet culture not just in magazines and um, tv and commercials and kind of stuff but it drove diet culture into the medical industry yeah and it became just a multi-billion dollar industry because now since it's labeled as disease you can prescribe medications for Mm -hmm. it and only for the reason of trying to get someone's body smaller, not because they have other medical conditions. Mm -hmm. It's that they have a certain body shape. Mm -hmm. And so that really, I think is what triggered the massive like explosion of diet industry and not only the explosion of it, but then it also like even more so switched it over from the side of your body into like, let's, let's call this a health a health trend mm-hmm. because now it's medical. So yeah, now we're going to, we're doing this for your health. Yeah. It legitimized it. Yeah. hundred percent legitimized it. Yeah, it definitely did. And, um, they just kind of talk about how, you know, some of the things that pop up in diet culture is you're suddenly like worshiping thinness and then however thin you are is like your moral virtue. Which means that you can like spend your whole life thinking that you're broken because mm-hmm. of the size of your body or you don't deserve a certain quality of life or, you know, happiness or that you're just not a good person because you're not a certain thinness, which mm-hmm obviously is not the case yeah Yeah. (laughs) In that if you are in a thinner body that you maintain like a higher social status Mm -hmm. too and so i think that it really rippled down through everything you know how you feel about yourself how society feels about you Mm -hmm. and and that's really sad yeah
0: yeah and unfortunately with it um the medicalization of it i think it's i mean people want to put their all their faith and their trust in what their doctor says, but unfortunately, a doctor is not qualified to speak to the like
1: dietetics, right? Of of that, right? They are not, and um, I think too that the a lot of medical professionals just don't have the knowledge or the training on how to even talk about intuitive eating or how to get someone to eat intuitively. And they're only focusing on weight loss.
0: Yeah. So I think the best image given was, um, you know, if a doctor were to prescribe you a medication, but research has shown that like that medication will cause problems and it will cause like you know, breakdown in your lungs and things like that. Like, you wouldn't blame yourself for the failure of that medication. It would be the medication. Right. And unfortunately, I think it's just, um, it just adds even more into, like, the guilt when a doctor is coming at you from that angle.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, um, what I think one thing that you're trying to get at is that diets don't work. Mm-hmm. It's been proven and they have like hundreds of studies that mm-hmm. diets don't work. You might be able to take, you know, to get to a certain point, but then there's a dieting paradox too that you have. And um, diets do not work. It's been proven. If it was a medication that they were prescribing, you wouldn't take that anymore. It wouldn't be approved by mm-hmm. any medical professional, but yet diets are constantly, mm-hmm. constantly given to people all the time and everybody blames it on themselves that it doesn't work. And Mm that's, that's not why it's not Mm -hmm. working. It's not you. It's that they just don't work. (laughs) Right. Right. So let's
0: talk a little bit about, I, I think one of the biggest questions associated with intuitive eating is whether or not you can focus on intuitive eating and have the goal of losing weight. And I, you know, I, the authors really came from the stance of not demonizing you for still having that goal. You know, it's like, it's not really anyone's fault when that is their drive, because we've just been so inundated with that message. And, um, but the, the simple answer is no, you cannot intuitive, intuitively eat and lose weight you can do them separately but you can't claim that as intuitive eating because that can't
1: intuitively eat and focus on weight loss yeah yeah, yeah. um it might be a byproduct of yeah. intuitive eating but it can't be the focus yeah. of why you're doing intuitive eating yeah
0: because weight loss causes you to focus on the external factors versus intuitive eating as an inside job
1: yeah and they kind of they did a really great job i think um ex- Explaining It in this fourth edition about why you can't focus on weight loss. And it's because anything that's when your focus is on stuff that's outside of your body, it blocks the signals that are coming from inside of your body. Mm -hmm. So when you're focusing on only the shape or the size of your body, you're still not providing yourself with exactly what it needs on a day to day basis. And so you need to put that on the back burner. You need to put any thoughts of weight loss on the back burner. And I struggled with that in the beginning, Mm -hmm. I think too, because I was like, well, you know, I just had fears because I was so worried about the shape of my body still, but I knew that I couldn't continue to do what I had been doing. Um, and letting that go or just like when they said put it on the back burner I'm like well I can put it on the back burner Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but then I think the more that I got into the process of intuitive eating it wasn't even a worry anymore Mm -hmm. because I realized when I was actually listening to what I needed I didn't need to worry about what the the other stuff like that I had been taught like Mm -hmm. that kind of started to go away yeah um but that's you know I think that some people have this idea that um if you truly want to be an intuitive eater that you're always going to gain weight mm-hmm. or that you're always going to your body is going to change mm-hmm. in this like significant way and that's
0: not necessarily That's really not
1: necessarily true.
0: Especially if you came from a place of such disordered eating and like you are
1: binging
0: like crazy. Yeah, you restricting know? and binging mm-hmm. and when yeah. that
1: goes away for some people even when that goes away the byproduct is a smaller body you might not be that way for everybody Mm -hmm. but for some people it is and so it really depends on like where you're coming from Mm
0: -hmm. you know they
1: have shown like that intuitive eating works a lot can be really helpful for people that even have anorexia and you can't expect like when you're actually feeding your body that it's going to go you know that that it would continue to get thinner and so it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those things where it depends on where you're coming from but it really can't be the focus of Mm -hmm. of why you're doing intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. The goal of intuitive eating is to be able to listen to what you need.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I, um, as far as my own experience with it in the beginning was, I think when I had heard, okay, put this on the back burner, that gave me peace because it's like, okay, I can just put this on the back burner for a little bit. And that's kind of what I would tell myself like, okay, just for a little bit, I can pull out anytime I can start restricting again, anytime. Mm-hmm. you know i it was you know it was messed up but it was so comforting to me and surprisingly um you know as the weeks would roll on i just it did start to fade away and um you know each little in eating experience just went towards building a record of trust with the process
1: right and i think um it will touch on this later because it's much further in the book, but there is kind of a point when you, when you first start intuitive eating, um, you are allowing yourself to eat like the foods that you want. And so I know for the first like little bit for me, I'm like, am I ever going to stop eating like cinnamon toast crunch? (laughs) (laughs) Is it ever going to happen? But after you know that you can have that whenever you want to have it and things start to level out, Mm -hmm. then the fear for me started to kind of go away. Like, I don't want to eat all of these like quote unquote junk foods Mm -hmm. all the time. It's kind of, I liked when we were talking earlier this week about how you said when you go on a vacation and you're going out to eat at all these restaurants. Mm -hmm. And by the time the end of your vacation comes, you just want to go home and eat, eat more nourishing food than what Mm -hmm. you've had on your vacation. Like you've had your fill. It's not even good anymore. And Mm -hmm. that was what I experienced a lot after the first like couple weeks of intuitive eating. And that's when I really started to grasp the concept of mm-hmm. it. Like, oh, because I can have this whenever I want to have it. It's like, you know, that the apple in the garden of, you know, eating. Yeah. like it wasn't this huge thing that I was mm-hmm. hyper focusing on anymore. And I couldn't even imagine what that was like before because I had spent so many years in restrictive mm-hmm. eating that I couldn't imagine not always craving mm-hmm. like something quote unquote bad. Yeah. And it just naturally resolved itself. And that's when I started going, I get it now.
0: Yeah. yeah. I
1: understand the fear is starting to melt away. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, As soon as I was able to get just a little bit of power over the food, I think I'm actually a pickier eater now than I was. I think especially more towards the fun foods. Um, So say like before, I think I was so – starved and my body was just craving carbs so bad that any old brownie was irresistible. But now I'm at a place where it's like, uh, if there's a, a plate of brownies on the table, I'm going to think about that. Like, you know, is this my, is this my favorite do I prefer kind of brownie? This packaged <laughs> brownie or do I want, you know, I have the power, I have choices with the food and that, that has been one of my favorite things. It's, um, you know it's like you're not just shoveling it in because yeah. you, that's
1: your like last supper mm-hmm. or your like day before you start your next yeah. diet so you're like pickier about mm-hmm. making sure that it's something you actually want because you realize that you really don't like a lot of things that you mm-hmm. thought that you liked
0: yeah yeah if you because you have permission to eat any food in the world so if you have permission to eat any brownie in the entire world are you really going to choose to eat a package brownie? Right. Or are you going to go to like your favorite bakery on the corner because they make the best, you know, X, Y, Z.
1: I feel like the local bakery, you know, has gotten more business from me now than ever before. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because I want the good stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's been amazing. And I think that actually um, leads into our, so we're, we're wanting to introduce in a new little segment just to keep it real for you guys, because I think Katie and I both agree. We don't want anyone thinking that we're just these mythical unicorns that are above diet culture or above the struggles. Like we have not arrived. We have not made it. Right. We're still in the trenches of it. Um, So we thought it would be kind of fun to share our discoveries with food that we're still making with the intuitive eating process and also share um,
1: like a success.
0: Yeah. Like the successes, but also like what we're struggling with, like what we're trying to focus on now this week.
1: So what are, what are yours, Katie? Okay. So my success, I I had a different one in mind, but today I logged onto Facebook and a memory from four years ago popped up. And I, I can't believe I haven't even deleted these pictures yet, but one was a picture of how many days, I won't say how many days that I, that I had logged into uh, a tracking app that I, I mean, I posted these with pride back in 2016. So um, one was a picture of that, a screenshot of how many days I had logged in, which to me now is insane. And then the other one was this like plate of food that I probably spent all day planning out. And I looked at it today and I was like, oh, my god you know the ketchup was completely sugar-free i didn't have a bun i had i had like a plain turkey burger with no cheese whatsoever on a piece of lettuce with nothing else but like vegetables and not that i wouldn't still enjoy eating that now but the reasons why i was eating that was different way different than why i would choose to eat it now it was and it also had like a piece of corn on the cob. And I can guarantee you, I was telling Natalie this earlier today, <laughs> I can guarantee you that I was stressing about the carbs <laughs> in that cob of corn for the rest of the night. And so like, I was like, gosh, I've come a long ways in four years because I was like slightly, I don't want to say embarrassed, but like I was sad for myself <laughs> at that time you know, like that I can look back and be like, I was not okay mentally, like, or emotionally or anything at that time. I, I like slaved over that every day. So that was like my, my really good feel good moment today. And then the struggle that I'm still having, I actually have a couple of them. One is, um, not eating while distracted. I still struggle with that because I'm, I'm busy, really busy in the summer. And so that has kind of picked back up. And then the other thing um, is if I don't finish food, like I, I have a hard time throwing away food and I do still keep a lot of leftovers. So I'm getting better about like stopping and storing and eating later. But COVID went during the quarantine um, when it was really hard to get to the grocery stores and the grocery stores weren't stopped because I had a childhood where food wasn't always there that for sure triggered even more Hmm. fear of wasting food. Like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get more chicken. So I'm going to eat all All of this chicken because one, I don't like it reheated and two, I don't know if I can get it tomorrow. So the quarantine and COVID and stuff has definitely made me work through. It's probably a blessing in disguise because I probably needed to spend more time on that because it was such a significant part of my childhood, but I haven't had food scarcity since starting intuitive eating until, um, COVID because we were in another state when the lockdown happened. So we had eaten all of our food at home so that it wouldn't go bad when we left. Mm. And when we got home, we didn't have a stocked fridge. So the first like three weeks that we were back was definitely scarce. And so it, it brought up a bunch of feelings. So that's kind of my, my two flip sides. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Those are two hard ones. All right, so for me, kind okay. So I I told Katie about this. This was actually a couple weeks ago, but I'm still celebrating (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, We have the Marco Polo app, so I uh, it's like a video messaging app. So I sent I sent Katie a a message right away after I'd gone through this experience. Um, I was at the store with my three year old daughter, and she picked up a box of Gushers out of the aisle and she'd never had gushers before. And initially I was going to tell her no, but her little face was beaming. I'm like, okay, I'll get them. And, um, you know, we get in the car and she was so excited. I, we opened them up in the car and I, I mean, I was really excited too. I hadn't had gushers since I was a kid. And so just the nostalgia was off the charts. <laughs> so I eat. The first one, I'm like, ooh, yeah, man, that is a gusher. Like, that tastes so good. <laughs> I ate the second one, I'm like, all right. <laughs> but so one of the things I've learned through um, the intuitive eating is that I have a really high sensitivity to, like, the bitter chemical taste in foods. So I was eating them, trying to be mindful of that. Like, okay, am I tasting the chemical flavor in these? And it wasn't so much the – I wasn't getting, like, a chemical – aftertaste but I was getting like this oily sensation in my mouth they are very oily very oily hence <laughs> Gusher um, <laughs> but that was enough of a turnoff for me and I think in the past I would have just eaten the rest of the package and just I don't know I think definitely with the all or nothing thinking I would have I mean overeaten on them or just been fixated on them and would have felt compelled to eat them until they were all like the whole box was gone but instead I didn't finish even my one little pouch and I give it back to my daughter and it made her super happy. And I was like, Oh,
1: heck yeah. I'm <laughs> Yeah. It
0: so that, that was great. Um, and then my struggle is hear me out, chewing my food before I swallow it. That is really hard for me. I think for the years of waiting until I was so ravenous before I ate, um, I think, oh, my gosh, I just would inhale my food. And so it didn't even, like, cross my mind till this week, like, oh, maybe I should
1: <laughs> chew this. I've been trying so to work on that.
0: It's hard. It's hard. Um, and I think, too, I was actually thinking about this tonight um, with dinner was, so not eating it, like, slowing down between bites, but then um, not waiting, like, just waiting so it's not blazing hot. I don't have to eat this while it's blazing hot
1: burn my mouth
0: (laughs) I don't have to do that and so slowing down not eating while it's a thousand degrees is my focus and that's really hard
1: yeah yeah I used to um eat way faster than Matt and then after we had kids he started eating quick like me and so now I'm trying to slow it down and when I first started 2D vegan meds like Um, you're eating really slow. Like I've never seen you eat that. So I'm like, I'm trying to chew my food. I've never done it before. I don't know how to do this. Um, but I I noticed, too, like, especially when I eat distracted, I barely chew. It's
0: just... Chew, chew, swallow. <laughs> chew, chew, swallow. Yeah,
1: right down the hatch. And, I, and I'm and i always, like, blowing on it, like, trying to cool down quicker.
0: I, yeah, and, and what actually spurred on my thought about chewing my food was I was... Te- I, so I still take my prenatal vitamins for nursing. I'm like, I am not swallowing this pill. This is too big. And then later, I was eating my food, and I'm like, this is, like triple the size of that pill
1: <laughs> you need some gushes to oil it down i know i do just
0: slick it down yeah so anyway yeah we're that's where we're at yeah. so um
1: the next episode i think we're going to talk about the different types of eaters mm-hmm, the personality um,
0: types and then i think that the fears more associated specifically with those each type personality yeah,
1: so. All right. Well, we will catch you guys on the next episode. If you have any, any questions, you can always email us at clean your plate or clean your plate podcast at gmail.com. Sorry, that took me a little bit to get out. Um, any suggestions for future episodes? I hope that you guys are working through the book. Like we are, Mm -hmm. um, we are loving it. So hope that you guys are getting something out of that too. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Bye.